Joso. Uh, no. More about gel coat. When the force. Don't you call in the. More importantly. Well, better late than never. Here we are in October TV Talkaholic time. Yay! Oof. That's Oof. all that's all we have to say about this. Are we done now? No. <laughs> are are you referring to uh, the worst witch, Matthew, <sighs> our choice of viewing? Is that what you're oofing about? I'm referring to the worst movie ever made. <laughs> Um, in spite of Charlotte Ray's Emmy ignored performances. Um, but anyway, before we get into it, hi, this is David Almeida, and I'm here with... Yeah, yeah, because... <laughs> this is... Ugh, I got Matthew is with me. This was my suggestion to do The Worst Witch, and I knew, Matthew, it would bring out so many opinions and thoughts... <laughs> I I hardly have any notes because I couldn't close my mouth watching it. I was just like several of my notes are just like what the fuck is happening. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, let's get into it. We can start talking about this this whole thing and the fact that it's a, it's a phenomenon. And the thing about the worst witch is that I was first introduced to it by Todd Michael, my roommate from a few years ago. Todd Michael is a decade younger than I am. And he is the generation that grew up with this, where apparently after it premiered on HBO in 1986, it went into reruns on the Disney Channel. So every single year, an entire generation of kids grew up watching this on the Disney Channel. And we know, regardless of the quality of the product, if you expose a kid to it over and over, the repetition factor, it is, it's a super beloved movie by an entire generation of people 40-ish and a little bit younger. They're like, oh my God, it's so good. No, it yeah. isn't. It yeah. isn't. I watched um, <laughs> Goonies the other day. I love the Goonies. Oh, watch it again as an adult. It is atrocious. <laughs> I feel like I have fairly recently. All they do is scream at each other. At, they are at like 100 decibels screaming mm -hmm. at each other for an entire film. And this is the same generation that thinks Hocus Pocus is one of the greatest films ever made. And it is a steaming pile of shit as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there that Hocus Pocus is also... On that pile of, ooh, kids appreciate it, but having been an adult when I saw it for the first time, I'm like, ooh, this is not nearly as good a movie as everyone remembers it to be and wishes that it were. And it's the people who love Grease, too. It's really good. No, it isn't. It's just not. Okay, you need to simmer down now. Do not start dissing my Grease, too, because... Oh. Damn that is it. one of those movies that is so bad. No, it isn't. It comes, it comes around full circle to entertaining. No, it isn't. I promise you it isn't. It is. How Gr dare you? Grease 1 is so bad that it's entertaining. Grease 2 is just <laughs> awful. 
If I had to rate these, though, it would be first place, worst movie, the worst witch. It was just, <laughs> I just kept thinking, what, how and why? Yeah. It's There's and just who? so much going on with it. Um, before we start into it, uh, again, 2D Fruities, thank you for your patience. Apologies that uh, this is coming out late. I got hit with something. I don't know what the fuck it was, it, but I did have a fever and I was just feeling like hammered dog shit for the better part of a week. And I'm still not back 100%. And Matthew, you said you were sick with something too. Yeah. Yeah. Coronavirus! <laughs> Did you get a test? Did you get tested? I did for it? go get tested at the free Disney place. Mm-hmm. Did you get tested there? I went to the convention center place. Oh. So I don't have my results yet. I went. It was just yesterday. I went. I don't think I have it. I, my fever never was over like a hundred point one. Mm. It's like in medical terms, that's technically not even a fever. But um, yeah, it was just feeling lousy and now we've had this change in the weather where the the change in the atmospheric pressure it's like every morning i wake up feeling like someone is nailing a spike into my right eye socket and it, it oh it's just anyway aside from two old men complaining about their medical problems ladies and gentlemen Ooh. happy october happy halloween month and happy Worst Witch Month here on TV Talkaholics. So how about we start off by discussing the source material, Matthew? Ooh, okay. <laughs> Do we need a tally for how many times we're going to get that sound out of you? <laughs> if this is a drinking game, you're going to be drunk in about five minutes. Yeah, every time Matthew goes, ugh. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, The Worst Witch, and the cool thing about this is that it does credit the original author, even though she didn't write the screenplay of the movie per se. The Worst Witch is a series of children's books written by Jill Murphy, and it was eight books published between 1974 and 2018. Holy God, she was there writing are... them all the way to then? Uh, yeah, and there are eight of them. We're lucky we didn't get seven more movies, Matthew. But, um, yeah, we have The Worst Witch, then The Worst Witch Strikes Again, A Bad Spell for The Worst Witch, The Worst Witch All at Sea, The Worst Witch Saves the Day, The Worst Witch to the Rescue, The Worst Witch and the Wishing Star, and the final or most recent installment, First Prize for The Worst Witch. Yeah. And uh, this was adapted for TV by Mary Plachette Willis. She does not have a lot of TV writing credits, Matthew. I wasn't, <laughs> hmm, wonder why. <laughs> uh, she has seven credits from 1978 to 1990. Uh, some various things, but uh, we're talking the odd ABC after school special and the TV series Babysitter's Club. Uh, so this was directed by Robert Young. No, not the old-time movie star Robert Young, spokesman for Sanka. Oh, no. This is veteran TV director, mostly did stuff in England. Um, the most recent thing he did was he directed a movie called Ghost Ship in 2014. Um, so he's, he's still out there. He has, as of six years ago, he was still directing, man. 
so Matthew, before we talk more about some of this this crazy nuts and bolts research shit that I do, mm-hmm. maybe we should do kind of what we do on Let's Face the Facts. And let me have you give an overall synopsis of what is this movie, The Worst Witch, about. The Worst Witch is basically Harry Potter. That, yeah. That's it. It's the girl version of Harry Potter. You are so not wrong. I did look to see. I was like, there's got to have been a lawsuit. There has to have been some. I mean, it was a series of books in England. Jill Murphy. It's English. It's like, did Jill Murphy at any time sue J.K. Rowling? Because basically it's like, um, thank you for taking my story, making it co-ed and adding wands and creating a multi-billion dollar enterprise. But uh, it's so weird that there are so many Harry Potter parallels. And we'll talk about them as we go along. Well, you'll have to because I've never seen a Harry Potter film or read a Harry Potter book. <gasps> then how do you know the Zero. worst witch is like Harry Potter? I just assumed. It's a, <laughs> it's a school full of kids learning how to be witches. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's what that's what I put together. You yeah. haven't been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter here at Wonderful Universal Studios Orlando? I went once and I thought this is probably wonderful for somebody who gives a shit. <laughs> I honestly I I couldn't tell you if that building looked like Hogwarts or not. I, <laughs> it was the longest hour and 10 minutes of my life. And perfect, perfect segue. The fact that this is a TV movie. It was produced in England. And it is only 70... It's Yeah, it's like 70 minutes. It's yeah. really short for a quote-unquote movie versus a, a TV special. And one of the things I think that the, it suffers from is the BBC aesthetic, is I think a good way to put it, in that... In the 80s, they still hadn't quite figured out in England that you got to do more than just turn on the lights and point a camera at it. Like, there is art direction that can be used. There is, you know, director of photography. Clearly, someone was picking the camera angles and all that. But there is an aesthetic to a lot of the stuff that came out of England in the 80s and even into the 90s where you're like, yep, that's... That is very what it is of its uh, location and of its time. So we have this um, shaky story, <laughs> and it is not filmed particularly well. It's it, it hinges on it being a witch's school for young girls, so you need a lot of magic. But they clearly didn't have uh, the special effects technology at their disposal to really make the effects look special. It reminded me a lot of Sid and Marty Croft. Like the superimposition, anytime there was a a foreground and a blue screen with a background and there's a black perimeter around them, I'm like, this looks like Land of the Lost without the claymation dinosaurs. Yeah, my first note is, Jesus, the green screen. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure it was blue in these days. That's how old this is. I have to wonder, was this, was it like, and I don't remember when this came out. Was that like, did we watch this in 1986 and be like, that looks awesome. You know what I mean? Or were we like, that looks weird. 
because it I, it just <clears throat> looks weird. Um, I'm trying to think like what fantastical. What would some shows from 1986 be? Uh, oh, here's a great example. Um, 1986, I believe, is the year that Pee Wee's Playhouse premiered. If you want to look at something that was made for kids but was super duper innovative and looks terrific, I mean, Pee Wee's Playhouse, they did some really cool stuff with simple blue screen effects and all that. Yeah. But um, if it wasn't, this year it was the following. It's either 86 or 87. But uh, yeah. Well, since we're talking about the year, how about we talk about what else was on the television the night that this premiered? Oh, okay. What <laughs> what else could we have watched? Um, sadly, not a lot. <laughs> I um, now for me this I didn't watch. Literally, I did not watch any of the shows I'm about to list because in the fall of 1986, that was my freshman year in college. So I wasn't watching TV. I was figuring out how to be a student and now not to flunk out of school. Um. But on October 31st, 1986, The Worst Witch was premiering on HBO. Um, So on ABC, we had Webster, Mr. Belvedere, Sidekicks, Sledgehammer, and Starman. Jesus. Didn't watch any of those. The only thing I'm aware of is that Sledgehammer was created by the guy who wrote What Price Glory?, the Facts of Life episode where we meet Jeff and Jeff is illiterate. <laughs> that That is the one Facts of Life episode he wrote. And then he went on and created Sledgehammer, which I think was like a comedy action adventure show, maybe. All right. Anyway, um, CBS, we had the wonderful Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Dallas and Falcon Crest. Did you watch any of those? No. Nope. And then on NBC, we have The A-Team, Miami Vice, and L.A. Law. Yeah. So I think we would have been watching The Worst Witch if we were paying for the home box office. Yeah. (laughs) So are you ready to talk about the cast, Matthew? All right. Well, top billing goes, of course, to the recently departed Dame Diana Rigg. From the wonderful The Great Muppet Caper. <laughs> what? She's in The Great Muppet Caper. Is, is, oh my God, that is her, isn't it? Yes. And Charles Grodin. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. It's the only um, thing I know her from. <laughs> you've not seen, you never saw her as Emma Peel in The Avengers, no. the TV show? Nope. Uh, she was a Bond girl. She was in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the 1969 George Lazenby James Bond movie. No? Mm, nope. Never watched you didn't a James see her? Bond movie in my life. Oh. The, they're okay. Uh, you didn't see her as Charlotte in the wonderful film adaptation of Stephen Sondheim's The Little Night Music? Nope. Oh. You might want to skip that one. With Elizabeth but, uh, Taylor? Uh isn't it rich? Are we a pair? <laughs> I, I wish I was doing it poorly. That's pretty no, spot on. It is pretty spot on. 
<laughs> and most recently, Diana Rigg was on Game of Thrones. I didn't realize she was she was the old broad mm. on Game of Thrones. I was looking at pictures. I was like, I had no idea. Good for her. She was 82 years old when she passed away this past September 10th. And again, she had been uh, made a Dane by the Queen. She was Dame Diana Rigg. And uh, yeah, so she plays Miss Hardbroom, otherwise known as Professor Snape, his his female analog. Yeah, the names um, are just redonkulous. Who wrote this shit? Jill Jill Murphy. Jill Murphy. That really, Mrs. Hardbroom. That's Mrs. Hard. The creativity <laughs> is just over. Mm. That's yes, you are. You're not wrong. Yes. Um, now, in the sort of title role as the worst witch, we have the wonderful Feruza Bach. Did you recognize Feruza Bach? Yeah, she was in that other piece of shit, um, Return of to Oz. <laughs> Girl, I fire your agent. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, the year before, she had been Dorothy in the much reviled and... Um, the critically and, reviewed. <laughs> yes, it was. And I I only saw it recently. I hadn't seen it till like maybe a year ago. I had never seen it. I remember when it came out, it was like, oh my God, this is really, really not good. Um, but uh, Feruza Bach would go on to be in uh, The Craft, would be the movie that was sort of her breakout, another witch movie. She plays the love interest of Adam Sandler in The Water Boy, and one of my all-time favorite bad movies, the Val Kilmer, Marlon Brando, Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Have you seen it? She needs to fire her agent in general. <laughs> But she is, I think, she's, I think she's lovely in this. She's very sweet. Her character's name is Mildred Hubble. And she is the poor, struggling, young, worst witch. The girl who just can't seem to get her footing and is always out of step. And just due to her insecurity is constantly fucking up and constantly invoking the ire of Diana Rigg. And again, again... We've got, we're stuck in these 80s shows with vaudevillian writers. Really, Jill? You've named in 1986. I'm assuming it's current time um, because there's no reference to it being in the 40s or anything. Yeah, I assume it's contemporary. All the kids are named Ethel and Mildred. And really? I didn't know any kids in 1986 named Mildred or Ethel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that too. (laughs) Oh, yes. My second um, note is <laughs> um, Mrs. Garrett with a British accent. This is going to be a long movie. No. <laughs> mm. We will we'll get to Charlotte Ray. Before right. we talk about her, I wanted to talk about Tim Curry. Oh, oh, oh. And, and Feruza Bach is an American. She was born in California, but she did spend a good chunk of her childhood in Vancouver. So she, in this film, is one of the few... Uh, non-English actors. So all the other girls in this school, just like Harry Potter, they're all they're all talking like this. But her, as the one who stands out, she's the one with the quote-unquote American accent. 
But that Vancouver background, we do get a couple of I'm sorry's out of her. Mm. Just want to point that out. So we get this uh, Canadian-American that I think nicely sets her apart from the others. And honestly, performance-wise, there is nothing here, I think, that she did wrong. I think she's a fine young actress here. It's just the material is so... All right. Do you want to talk about Tim Curry as the Grand Wizard? Sure. <laughs> How can you describe Tim Curry as the Grand Wizard? I, I, I wanted to say, I, why? I just don't know what he's doing. <laughs> and I don't think he does either. Like, I think he showed up, looked at his pages in the script and was like, okay. press play and yeah (laughs) i don't think he has any idea what movie he's in i thought he did but i realized about a half hour into it diana rigg is the only person who knows exactly what movie she's in Mm -hmm. um charlotte ray is doing fucking she thinks she is in gone with the wind for god's sake like she's charlotte ray is doing two other movies that are not this one Though I didn't mind her as Miss Cackle. I really didn't. But, uh, okay, Tim Curry as the Grand Wizard. Imagine, if you will, the the person who had the nugget of the idea of the Goblin King from Labyrinth and said, okay, think of the Goblin King in Labyrinth. Think of how cool he is, how sinister yet sexy, how imposing yet uh, magnetic. It's if you think of all of the qualities that Bowie is in Labyrinth, this is a pale attempt to sort of grab something that's kind of like that, but nothing of the writing and certainly no rehearsals to get there. So take the essence of the Goblin King and sprinkle the Paul Lind Halloween special on top of that, <laughs> and you have Tim Curry in this movie. Uh. Yeah, because he did, you realize this is the year after Clue. So he had already done Wadsworth, the butler. And so now he's returning to his Rocky Horror roots of, you know, I am the Grand Wizard. Mm. And now it is time for us to start Halloween. It's, he's kind of returning to those roots, but it's, it just is weird. It just comes off as weird. And, and his song is, uh, I'm sorry, his song is the highlight of the entire movie. And by highlight, I mean the biggest, just when you thought there weren't any more WTFs left. Yeah. That, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so, yes, and then lastly, the reason why we are here, Matthew, mm. our beloved Charlotte Ray in the dual role. As Miss Cackle, and this is her school, um, and I like her as Miss Cackle. We were watching that first scene with her and with little Mildred, where she's like, you know, doing her English accent and saying, Oh dear, Miss Hardbroom says you've been having trouble in her class again. And she's doing, I think, a competent English accent. And then, as you're like, oh, what a lovely... Uh, sympathetic motherly role this is 
She looks at her and says, Mildred Hubble, you must be the worst witch at this school. And you're like, well, fuck you very much, bitch. Yeah, with her gray wig on. Yeah, and I didn't mind it. And they do a lot of this sort of, you know, Dumbledore versus Snape kind of a thing where you have Charlotte Ray as the, oh, give the girl a chance. It's only her first year. And Diana Rigg playing it to the back row and 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 painted to filth by the way a lot of close-ups and you can reach out and touch that pancake foundation shit yeah she had white eyeliner on with her black eyeliner underneath it yeah like it was like ballerinas do that to make their eyes look bigger yeah and yeah and but diana rig is doing this Mildred Hubble, you clearly do not understand the proper potion. Report to Miss Cackle's office immediately. Like, she's just playing her so grand and overly authoritative. But it's consistent. Gotta give her that. And I think she's playing it a little campy because I think she knows what movie she's in. Yeah. And and that's it. Maybe somebody should have just owned up to it and said this has got to be played like a big old chunk of cheese or it's not going to work it's just going to come off as amateurish and confusing which it um, did yeah but speaking of camp in the broad performances matthew we would be remiss if we didn't mention charlotte ray in the second role she plays Mm. agatha cackle the twin sister to miss cackle not the benevolent matriarch of the school oh no agatha cackle is somehow we don't fully understand why or how. She used to be in charge of the school, and she had it taken away from her because she's evil, she's bad, garden variety. We don't quite know what that means. Um, but <laughs> she is the she's essentially the villain of this. So Charlotte Ray is playing both Dumbledore and she's playing Voldemort. And what what this female party city Voldemort wants to do is take back the school so that all the mean, nasty, wicked kids have a place to go and learn to be bad and mean and wicked. I didn't and get any reason for her to be in this movie at all. <laughs> Honestly. It's... It is interesting how we do meet her and she sings her villain song and then she disappears for like 40 minutes. There's a huge chunk of time where you're like, what, was there a bad, bad lady in this somewhere? Uh, but yeah. And, and on top of it all, I like Charlotte Ray's English accent. I think she does a competent job and she's wonderfully, um, you know, nurturing and motherly. But the choice to make the twin sister to this English woman Southern yeah. from the States. Yeah. And and to play it in the guttural part of her voice. Yeah. So she's talking like this the whole time. Yeah, Yosemite Sam. <laughs> and the thing is, she's in this pink wig and they've got these again Sid and Marty Croft it looked like the witchy poo brigade it looked like they'd stepped out of HR puff and stuff yeah when the aesthetic of everything at the school was pretty uh standard and traditional the costumes and, and the uniforms of the girls weren't that 
uh, exaggerated. They all had a very traditionalist kind of a, a, a bent to them. And then you get to Agatha and this this coven around the cauldron out in the forest, and you're like, we're we we've walked into Party City by way of Sid and Marty Croft. It is so so weird, the choices they made. <clears throat> so, um, but Matthew, you realize the worst witch has a legacy that extends beyond this TV movie. Did you know there have been two other series of the worst witch? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And yep. people are real excited about it. And I mean, I'm not here to shit on anybody's joy, so let them have it. But <laughs> Jesus Christ. There was also a, a TV series from 1998 to 2001. Uh, I have not seen that. I have not seen the Netflix one either, but um, it's it's still ongoing. We're, we're in season four right now that just premiered the 1st of October, 2020. So it's still an ongoing thing. And I would, I would dare say I'll bet the Netflix series is halfway decent, that they, they zhuzhed it up a little bit and improved a few things. All right. Yep. There's also a musical stage adaptation that played in England from 2018 to 2019. Did it have the same music as this one? Because I wrote Oof. a couple minutes into this one, I wrote, oh, Christ, it's a musical. <laughs> you didn't know. Because oh. the music is written by Charles Strauss, who wrote the musical Annie. Mm-hmm. The only and? hit he had. No, Bye Bye Birdie. Mm-hmm. Bye Bye Birdie is his, too. Right. That was also pretty big, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, the thing is, it, well, we're in perfect segue talking about the music. We have a, an opening theme song called Growing Up Isn't Easy. And it's sung by a teen star named Bonnie Langford. She's an English actress, singer-dancer. She was on Doctor Who in the 1980s. Um, She was on the British soap, The EastEnders. So that's the theme song at the beginning and the end called Growing Up Isn't Easy. Tim Curry has his grand wizard song called Anything Can Happen on Halloween. Oof. And... Uh, those two songs were written by Charles Strauss and lyrics by Don Black. Do you know what else Don Black has written? I don't. He is best known for collaborating with Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. He wrote the lyrics to the James Bond theme songs for Thunderball and Diamonds Are Forever and The Man with the Golden Gun. Those were collaborations with John Barry. Those are not... Andrew Lloyd Webber. The Andrew Lloyd Webber collaborations, Tell Me on a Sunday, Starlight Express, Aspects of Love, and Sunset Boulevard. Okay, so he has very little talent for writing lyrics to music. Oh, no, stop. And, And it just drives me crazy, like, when you have to, when you put, like, the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable to make it fit musically, it, yes. it just makes me want to jump off a bridge. And every time somebody sings the perfect year from next year, next year will be the perfect year. I don't mind that. Mm, drives me crazy. Yeah. Sunset Boulevard. It just anyway. <laughs> to me, I like Sunset Boulevard. That's the only Lord Webber I can stand, actually. But um, so then the incidental music for the. Uh, the show for the movie by the way 
Casio tone, the the canned, synthesized, the 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 uh, the drum kit sound, the doom, 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 and the synthesized strings while they're flying around on the brooms is just for the eight whew. minute flying scenes that they do. Yeah, each time mm-hmm. they fly, it is eight minutes of them, like just it's. Oh, there! I wrote down. And there's so much going on in this movie. There's so much script for so little going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's just so much script, and then for them to spend eight minutes flying over the countryside, it just oh. It's like they had the blue screen for the day. They figured they may as well use it. Oof. But the incidental music was written by Dennis King, and Dennis King is the one who wrote the villain song that Charlotte Ray sings called My Little School. And and it's a villain song, but it sounds like a a Britpop Beatles tune. Uh, it's it's so cheerful. Like anything can happen on Halloween, the Grand Wizard song, that is in a minor key. That sounds like it could be sinister or something, but it's got this deep, deep, this is the song that Charlotte Ray sings. With, yeah. I called them the Debbie Harry witches. The Debbie Harry, yes, they do. Yeah. It's, it's so if you're filthy, smelly, evil, wicked, and cruel, you'll be right at home in my little school. It's just this cute. It sounds like the song that Lin-Manuel Miranda was trying to mimic when he wrote the King song for Hamilton. As far as this deep, 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 deep piano sort of a perky little number. Ugh. Anyway, so the, just so you know, the, the the My Little School is written by a different person than the other two songs. Ugh, that shows. Yeah. Well, I don't think we need to go into our microscopic dissection. All right. But let's just kind of go through this sort of scene by scene by scene. Uh, the first thing when we see the school, we see the school was founded in 1604. And uh, I believe Charlotte Ray says it was her grandmother or her mother who founded it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. They're definitely, their ages are weird because Charlotte Ray does refer to her niece. She's talking to her on the phone. She's got like a cell phone on her broom kind of a thing. And she says the niece is 138 years old and she still acts like a teenager. Yeah. And she's the one who is dressed like Captain America because she's the one who teaches everybody how to fly. So she's got goggles on because that's what you would put somebody who's the flight teacher. You would put them in goggles. Yeah, it's like the World War I flying ace meets Marvel. Yeah, you're totally right. Even though none of the witches learning how to fly have goggles or anything on. but Nope. Fuck their safety. Nope. But we meet Mildred as the problematic student who she's just always late. She's always ill-prepared for the test, for the potions. And uh, her friend Maud, there's another name that you don't give a little girl in the 70s. Maud, Ethel, Mildred. And uh, yeah. So our first scene is uh, a potion test in Miss Hardbroom's class. And it's supposed to be a giggle potion, and she accidentally mixes an invisibility potion. And that gets her flunking the test, and that's where she gets sent to Charlotte Ray's office. And uh, and during that scene, I was already annoyed by how close everybody was to each other's faces. 
the acting in this, I mean, first of all, it's just atrocious to watch a bunch of teenage girls like pretend to laugh because they've oh. taken the giggle potion. But they were all like literally two inches from each other's faces. And it, yeah. I wanted, I was just already, I was just mm, annoying. <laughs> Yes. And so then we meet Charlotte Ray's character and she tries to be supportive, but nah. um, there is there's a very disturbing scene where Mildred that night is confessing to Maude in their dorm room that she doesn't know if she's got it. She's not sure if she's going to be able to cut it. Um, and she says, don't you worry. And Maude does say, well, I come from a long line of witches, so it's in our blood. And of the little backstory we get on Mildred, on Feruza Bach, she says, my mother wanted to be a witch, but she didn't have the gift, I think is the term she uses. And, and that's it. We don't, we don't learn about this thing of like in Harry Potter, the fact that there are muggles and there are the, you know, those born to witchcraft. And, uh, but as they're talking, then they start saying, oh, Miss Hardbroom was so mad. And then they start kind of dishing about Miss Hardbroom. And while they're saying shit about her, she fucking appears in their dorm room in the middle of the night, like just out of the blue, like, don't you think you shouldn't be discussing other people's private matters? And it's like, what the shit? Does she, what, what, what is she doing peeping in on these girls? She's a witch. <laughs> just saying um but uh yeah so that's one disturbing thing of many uh and then at the the morning ceremony the next day we have this sort of uh morning ceremony and that is what agatha and her sidekick named delilah uh whew, there's an english actress with a very english actress look Oof. and an english actress smile and then they blacken out part of her teeth, and you're like, Whoa. That actress's name is Sue Elliott, and uh, she's very funny. She's working very hard to be the comedic sidekick, but there's just there's just nothing for her to do. There's nothing really. for her to do. There's no reason for her to even be there. Like, nope. she's like the bumbling sidekick to, to Charlotte Ray's nasty old witch, who actually yeah. I thought looked great with the pink wig on. I liked the pink wig on her. Oh, you like that look yeah. for her? But just the okay. whole Debbie Harry look of of these bad witches just pointless, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But um the surprise that is revealed at this morning meeting is that the Grand Wizard is going to be there for the girls uh big presentation on Halloween. And then they cut to a painting of the Grand Wizard, and all the girls just swoon and ooh and ah. Yeah. I, I have in my notes cut to painting of David Hasselhoff. It does not look anything like Tim Curry. <laughs> 0. 0.0. Do you agree with me? Yeah, but I just, I, I was so weirded out more by the fact that these 12-year-old girls were getting all squishy over Tim Curry. Like, it just, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, they're, they're this teen beat, tiger beat, swoony kind of a, ooh, the grand wizard. And later there's a photograph that they're circulating around. Yeah, Tim Curry's headshot. Yeah. And they're looking, it's like they're fighting over it. And finally, Miss Hardbroom, uh, she confiscates it 
And then as she storms out of the classroom, she runs back in and grabs the picture like, I'm taking this with me. Because she's going to be holding that picture with one hand later. Oh. Um, so, uh, the excitement surrounding the, the, the visit from the Grand Wizard is palpable. Yeah. And uh, one interesting thing is that the magic... The when when you when it comes to magical things and w- setting up different worlds like this, I'm big into we need rules. We need to understand what are their capabilities, what are their non capabilities. I loved on Bewitched the simple fact that no witch can undo another witch's spell, and so so much of Bewitched is the work around is how do we work around this without undoing. Right. So we. We have a little bit of that going on here where we don't have wands like Potter, but we have these spells that are in books, and they just sound like bad nursery rhymes. Yeah, and and the word abracadabra is in one of them. Wow. I just... Impressive. Again, yes, we need rules, but you as a writer are writing about witches. You get to make up the rules. So. The fa- and like just like abracadabra in a spell come on yeah do better maybe that's why yeah maybe that's why there was never a lawsuit is that this Joe Murphy went to J.K. Rowling and said uh, I think you stole some stuff from me and J.K. Rowling could say um, my stuff is good <laughs> and I'm not sure you can compare them and Joe Murphy just had to slink away and like when the girls count get, her the girls money. get their cats and they name they of course they get their cats because they're witches they name them Midnight and Blackie. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. At least Angela and- Lansbury named hers Cosmic Creepers, because that's the name he came with. <laughs> In Bedknobs and Broomsticks. It's the uh, age of not believing. And the other thing is that they are giving out black kittens to the girls, um, and they run out. Ethel is... Uh, we have to we have to talk about this Ethel girl. Ethel is the high achiever. She gets her kitten first. She is the little blonde bitch mm-hmm. who is constantly giving Mildred strife, and we hate her. So we'll we'll talk about Ethel in a minute. But the last one to get her kitten is, of course, Mildred, because Mildred is the worst witch. And when they get to it, it's like, oh, we're all out of black kittens. So they give her this tabby cat. And, of course, my thing is, gee, too bad you don't have something at your disposal that could change the color of a cat. Like witchcraft. Right. Hmm. Uh, But anyway, she decides she's going to call him Tabby. And uh, then they have to go to their flying lessons. And part of the purpose of giving out the cats is you have to be able to fly while balancing your cat on your broom. Yeah. And everybody who's ever had a cat knows how easy that probably is. Yeah. Oh, sure. Cats love heights. They love open spaces. They love... They're such calm animals. Yeah. (laughs) They love to be told what to do. They love to be controlled. They love it. So that begets... We we do cut away to the villain song that we discussed earlier. So that's how we understand what Charlotte Ray Evil wants to do. But then we come back to one of the big, long flying sequences with the cats on the brooms. And the thing is that Mildred, for some reason, puts her cat in her satchel as opposed to balancing it on the broom. I didn't gather that she even tried to get it to balance. 
And yet that was a thing where Ethel was like, you know, oh, Miss so-and-so, she had the cat in her satchel. She wasn't doing it right. It's like, fuck you, Ethel. I thought (laughs) Ethel, I kept looking at Ethel. She looked like the girl from Meatballs. And I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't get that, even though she wasn't, because she was, it was a different time and the other girl was older. Anyway, but I kept thinking, God, she looks like that girl from Meatballs. We just looked it up. Actress Christine DeBell. And uh, other than Meatballs, her <laughs> filmography is, oh, she's been working, man. She's been working steady. She hasn't stopped. Then we have a, we have a scene with Dumbledore and Snape, I'm sorry, with Miss Hardbroom and Miss uh, Cackle. Yeah. And it's the thing of, oh, we should give her a chance. Mildred Hubble will never graduate from this academy. And more of that stuff we go to the cafeteria and she accidentally spills water on somebody and they all laugh at her and wackiness ensues and meanwhile the girls in this cafeteria scene are taking drinks of nothing and not like i was watching the business going on in the background because i could not care oh were they i could not have cared less about what was happening on the screen so i started watching (laughs) the girls in the background they're all taking drinks of nothing out of their cup and Yeah, a lot of just terrible background work. (laughs) Man. And then we go to... And the thing is, it's like, okay, you spilled water on somebody. Again, you are witches. You have witchcraft at your disposal. I know it's your first year. You may not know all of your spells, but what precipitates her pouring and spilling the water is that Ethel wads up some bread or something and throws it at Mildred, and it lands in her water glass. Yeah. And I'm like, you you couldn't be taunting each other with witchcraft. You couldn't be fucking each other over yeah. with spells and stuff. Mm-mm. How much more fun would that have been? No. To anyway. Throw a piece of bread on her. And the worst part is the big joke was she spills ketchup on her. That's the that's, oh, that's the right. big payoff. The big, <laughs> she spills yeah. Yeah. It's and, and again, we don't have too bad. We don't have anything at our disposal to make a, a stain go away or unspill a spill. Yeah. Ugh. But then we go to gym class. Oh, childhood trauma. <laughs> Hackles raised for young David. Um, they're picking teams, of course. Mildred is the last one chosen. It's for a game of terror tag where they just go around playing hide and seek and they're jumping out and scaring each other. And if they scream, the other team gets a point. Yeah. So we have 12 minutes of little girls screaming. <laughs> there is nothing worse to sit through than little girls screaming. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, it's l- pretty bad. And, and again, no witchcraft involved in this. Nope. In fact, at one point, Ethel... Uh, puts on a mask that really, really spooks Mildred. And Mildred screams a lot. And because of her repeated screaming, loses the game for her team. But she says, she she cheated. She wore a mask. And uh, and it's just like, yeah, wearing a mask. That's that's witchcraft, man. That's mm-hmm. It's so many opportunities to do stuff and do fun stuff. Uh, but that's their gym class. And then finally, it does boil to a head, and Mildred threatens to turn Ethel into a toad. Ethel goads her on, so she says the spell, 
and turns her into a pig. Hilarious. Because a pig is a pig. Yeah. And, yeah. So, um... But again, yeah. how pedestrian. A witch is going to turn you into a frog. Yeah. Really, Jill? Really? <laughs> And then it turns and she turns into a pig. And then they have she they send her to the library to go and find the spell to undo it. Yeah. And that's again, I'm like, there's not some type of a manual override that the instructors can do. There's not. It, it's like you couldn't just tell her the spell to unturn her into a pig as opposed to you go to the library, dig around and yeah. take a few hours searching for something you may never find. Uh, but anyway. Um, so now we're in the just before class. The girls are worshiping and kissing the photo of the Grand Wizard. It's you would think it was a photo of Kurt Cameron or John Stamos. Yeah. No, no, it's forty-year-old Tim Curry. Right. Um, and this is uh, where they used his headshot. Like, yes, this is the headshot. Literally his his headshot. <laughs> like, if you wrote Tim Curry in 1986 and asked for an autographed picture, this is what the picture you would have gotten in return. <laughs> <laughs> so Miss Hardbroom says that because of the Grand Wizard's visit on Halloween, they are going to be making a big presentation of a broomstick display. Yeah. Flying in perfect single file formation and then turning into a loop and describing this big thing. And of course, I'm thinking, wow, what could possibly go wrong with that? So tryouts are on Friday, and the best eight children will be selected. And in case you forgot, the Debbie Harry witches are still planning some sort of coup. Because we cut yeah. to them somehow running around trying to figure out, I don't know what. I don't know what they're yeah. trying to do. <laughs> it's yeah, never really clear. This is during clear. one of the big gaps when we don't see them at all. Uh, so then for the auditions, we have another flying montage with awful music. The girls are selected, and one girl can't because uh, she's in the infirmary. She's been at the laughing potion again. So, Miss Hardbroom, in a moment of softness, does say that Mildred has been working extra hard, and her hard work has not gone unnoticed. So, she lets Mildred have the last spot in this big, important formation for the Grand Wizard, and is going to give her a chance. What could possibly go wrong? So she says, what is that string on your broomstick? Well, because she was flying earlier with her cat in the satchel, she fell and her broomstick broke. So Miss Hardbroom is like, well, you can't have a, you know, get your spare broomstick. You can't have a broken one. And she's like, I don't have a spare. So Ethel offers to lend her spare to Mildred. And Mildred's like, okay, I'm sure she's not going to try to do anything to fuck me over. Because here at the witch's school, we have no extra brooms around. Nope. Okay. Nope, not an extra broom. Nope. And um, then we go back to the Spirit Halloween Sid and Marty Croft Superstore. Obviously, it's a BYOB witch's school. Uh, <laughs> Bring your own broom. Come on. I, I see what you did there. I see. But I did point out that now we go back to the we go back to Witchy Poo and Company. Yeah. We haven't seen them since 19 minutes in. It is now 43 minutes into a 70 minute movie. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but they're all saying, prepare for action, because after the ceremonies, they'll be resting and tired, and that's when we make our move. We still don't quite know what the physical plan is. It's just, I'm taking it over, and I'm going to get my school back. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like I just took you there. So, at last, it is Halloween. The festivities are going on. Big pageantry outside and the girls in their capes and their uniforms. And the Grand Wizard arrives. It is Tim Curry with this cape. Yeah. It's like maybe four king-size bedsheets mm-hmm. sewn together. Mm-hmm. It is just massive. Mm-hmm. With the, with the poles he, in it that like you hold in your hands to make them... Like, fan yeah. out like a butterfly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like Tessitura in Gypsy. Right, right. <laughs> um, so then we get his song, Anything Can Happen on Halloween. Well, his entrance, um, though, is purely blue screen. Totally. So, oh, totally. like, he flies in, and it's like, I don't, again, I don't know that he read the script. <laughs> or anything because it looks like somebody gave him a goddamn quaalude like he's <laughs> his eyes show no excitement his face yeah. shows nothing gives you no, like i'm here nothing he's like i'm here <laughs> <laughs> now are you familiar with everything is terrible i i, I believe that's what my life is so, yeah. What? No, sure. no, not that. I was talking about the online uh, blog website that's been around for a long time. Like it's mm-hmm. it's been around from the early Internet days, but they would go and find awful VHS videos like instructionals, tutorials, local stuff, bad cartoons. They would just find old VHS stuff in the bin at the Kmart before it shut down. And then they would put them out on this website. And they actually did make movies and video releases. This song, Anything Can Happen on Halloween, is on one of the Everything is Terrible DVDs. It deserves to be. (laughs) Because the the effects the entire the entire song is in blue screen it's all effects they got their their video toaster ready they put every image they could they have him with a uh, blue fabric inside the cape so that things could appear inside the cape they put blue fabric on his body so that something could be seen in the middle of his person it is it just needs to be seen i if you haven't watched it and if you are listening to us shit all over this movie, I still recommend pull up Anything Can Happen on Halloween. It starts right at about 47 minutes in. It just yes. feels like four hours. It's only, four, <laughs> it's only 47 minutes. Mm-hmm. I wrote down yeah, that Tim but... Curry and Diana Rigg, you will notice, are wearing the same amount of makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The uh, liquid eyeliner, man. And it's that white eyeliner under their eyes. With the black eyeliner underneath it, it's just... It's, yeah. The the whole aesthetic of everything is just so... You can tell this was done on a budget of $1.35, really. Um, So, uh, everybody cheers wildly at the end of his number. They go to do the broomstick formation, and sure enough, Ethel gives a verbal cue 
that her broom responds to, which causes Mildred to crash and the entire formation to just collapse. And um, they're furious at, at, at Mildred. They blame her. And Tim Curry even says, If these are the witches of the future, I hate to think what the future will bring. I've got another gig. I've got to split. <laughs> and off he goes. And it's like, okay. Anyway, what happens is Mildred decides she has to run away. She just, she isn't wanted there anymore. Not go home to her parents, whom we know nothing about. Not leave school, but run away. Yeah. Uh, okay. But while she's running away, she runs into the party city, which is, and she overhears their evil plot and... As they discover her and as they are about to attack her, she turns them into snails. She successfully conjures a spell, turns them into snails, and brings them back to the school. And basically for foiling the plot of these evil witches, she is now revered as the highest, greatest witch of the entire school. She puts them in a box, the snails in a box called the Acme Spell Company. I did not notice that. The Acme Spell <laughs> Company. <laughs> Acme, <laughs> the wily coyote. <laughs> really, Jill? Really? really, Jill? Yeah. And I wrote, <laughs> I wrote down, I have no idea what the fuck is happening. That's where yeah. that says that in my notes right here. And so the final scene after the big denouement of all that and them putting the witches, the evil ones, in their place, we come to the next morning. Mildred is asleep. Maud comes to get her, and it's once again, oh, I'm late. I'm so disorganized. I'm so out of step. But when she arrives, they're in the assembly hall. The whole school is assembled, including the Grand Wizard. Mm. And they all applaud her. Yeah. So he asks... Miss Cackle to proclaim the day a half holiday in honor of Mildred Hubble for her saving the school. Yeah, they get a half day off of school because of Mildred, and now she's the hero. That's the yeah. whole point of the movie, I think. Yeah. And then he says, What are you going? And then someone says, What are you going to do with your half day off? And she says, I suppose I should practice my flying. And the Grand Wizard says, Would you like? To practice with me in the creepiest way possible. <laughs> and on his big, gigantic fabric cape wings, off they fly. The girls run to the window, all waving out the window. Ethel is just mad because now Mildred is the popular one in getting the Grand Wizard's attention. I wanted Ethel to get much more of a comeuppance. I wanted her to have like a pig nose for the rest of her life or something. I wish Ethel hadn't. I, I wish that Mildred hadn't turned her back. You're asking a lot of Jill here to yeah. write something that, like that. Yep. And the, <laughs> and the last thing in the film, we hear Tim Curry say, "You're not the worst witch anymore." And as they fly over, we see Agatha and Delilah, the Party City witches, hitchhiking, and Charlotte Ray is holding a sign that says. Alabama. 
I'm like, is that where the twin sister is supposed to be from? Is that she is she supposed to be from Alabama, even though the other twin sister is clearly English? What the fuck is happening? And everybody in the school you're assuming is in England. I don't know how many people would hitchhike from England to Alabama. Good luck with that. Yeah. And then off they fly. You couldn't make up a place. You couldn't make up a place, Jill. Like that. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. A place that's like a country, but not the country. Or anyway. Um, yeah, so the final image is, of course, Mildred and the Grand Wizard flying off into the sunset. The theme song plays again about growing up isn't easy and all is good and right in the world, especially since they made no sequels. And she's a witch. She can't fly to Alabama. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> anyway, did she <laughs> did she not have a broom? Did, did she not get one of the extra brooms? And... They were out of brooms. Yeah. So, whew. <laughs> It is very beloved, Matthew, I, by so many. I don't understand. I yeah. don't understand. I mean, we're we're watching the facts of life on, on the other show, and we're like, well, this wasn't as good as I remembered it, is it? <laughs> it's it's just that thing of what what appeals to us as kids is so, so very different what we what we want as grown ups. Mm. Ouch. Man, oh man. Okay, so let's turn the tables. Mm -hmm. It's the Halloween season. What is something that you will be watching that you enjoy that brings you happiness in the month of October? I don't have one. I'm sorry. I could make it up, but it's... I'm not six. Halloween isn't a... And I I do... I'm an actor. I get in costumes every day. Halloween is not a... I'm not six. No. I get that. I get the whole thing of we we do. We're putting on costumes all the time. That's our job. So and the the allure, es- the novelty of it is not there. Especially for drag queens. It's always the night somebody's calling you. I want to go in drag for Halloween. No, I'm not putting you in drag. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Can you help me? Can nope. you can you make up? Can you paint my face? Nope. Can I borrow a, a wig, a dress and heels nope. and underwear? You sure can't. No, no, nope. no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole like well, adults and like I'm glad I feel like it's kind of over maybe or just, I'm not noticing anymore but the whole like the slutty Dorothy costume the slutty Snow White mm. costume Christ yeah. I'm just waiting for a slutty Anne Frank to show up at my door Jesus <laughs> Christ <laughs> it's just like well, why adults have to be I don't know it's just well, honestly, as 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 gay people and, and drag and actors, we're lucky that that's a part of our everyday life, that we get to try on and do different personas and looks and things. We're lucky we get to do that all the time. And so for the, the sad people out there where it's like only once a year can they even think about a new a new look or something, yeah. it's like, eh, let them have it. Poor them. Yeah. Well, I will be watching, definitely, Nightmare Before Christmas. I'll be watching Edward Scissorhands, and I love It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I think it's really sweet. Mm. Um, I'll, I'm going to agree with you that Hocus Pocus isn't nearly as good as I wish it were. Mm-mm. If they, they are talking about making a sequel, aren't they? Ugh. Yeah. I hope so. Hocus. Make it. Hopefully this will be really good. Well, um, this has been a fairly Debbie Downer installment of I'm TV sorry. Talkaholics. I'm sorry. We... Well, here's the thing. 
when I said let's do this, it, there was a part of me that's like, because it's got a lot of really weird shit going on that's going to be funny. It, it This did, even for me, this turned out to be just full on bad. Yeah. Worse than I realized when we when we first conceived this. So, um yeah, that's uh, that's what you get. We're 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 artists and entertainers, and it's our job to surprise you. So there, if you weren't entertained by listening to us bitch and complain and, and shit on this, well then I I think the problem is 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 with you, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know how to end I this. I have no fucking clue. Put me out of my misery. Uh, well, Matthew, mm. how about this? I promise you, we're gonna figure out something super entertaining and fun and enjoyable, like. Remember how we talked about High School USA? Mm -hmm. Remember how much we loved and enjoyed the weird shit about that? We need to do that for November. We need to find something that we're going to enjoy but still have some uh, opinions and thoughts about. Right, right. So let's start brainstorming that. And, of course, 2D Fruities, if you have a suggestion, by all means, send us a note. You know where to reach us. And uh, until that time, Matthew, my darling, yes, it has been a pleasure, hasn't it? And aren't I, aren't <laughs> I a joy? You are. Ugh. You are a delight. Sorry. <laughs> I adore you, sweetie. You. We will talk next month, Tutti Fruities. Look forward to it. Right. But for now, bye. bye.